Hi, I'm Nick Brax, and this is Soul Trader. Disrupt Radio. Soul Trader. Reworking work. Do you think about being famous? For anyone who hasn't had first-hand experience with the limelight, it's easy to buy into the fantasy of fame, imagine the perks, or even feel envious of people who have received notoriety for their success. But as Roosevelt wisely said, comparison is a thief of joy and rarely allows for an accurate picture of the true experiences or the hard work involved. It takes peeling back a couple of layers to realise how much blood, sweat and tears goes into maximising one's potential and reaching success that is recognised on a public level. And even with the perks, we all share the same struggles, the same ups and downs. Performing and playing a character may seem like something reserved for the big screen, but the reality is we all do it in our day-to-day lives. We play a character at work, at home, with friends. It can often help us to deal with the uncertainty of the world. When I was younger, I used exercise and performing in sport to cope and eventually transferred it into acting. My next guest followed a similar path, going from training for the 2012 Summer Olympics in swimming to becoming one of the biggest up-and-coming actors in the UK. She talks candidly about protecting her personal well-being, sacrifice, and putting things into perspective. Soul Trader. My name is Wallace. I'm British. I started acting about 15 years ago, and I haven't been able to stop since. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Short That's and sweet. My only identity is acting. <laughs> Short and I like it. But and what got you in? Like, have you always wanted to be an actor? What got you into it, or was it something that you sort of were doing as a young kid? I guess fifteen years is like a long time, isn't it? Already to be doing it. But yeah, was it something you always aspired to do? Yeah, fifteen years is like obviously a lot, like more than half my life. So when you actually, started, yeah, because yeah. hang on, because I think I read you're twenty seven. Is that right? Twenty six, twenty. 27? Yeah. <laughs> so 15 years. Yeah, wow. It's like a big chunk of your life. Yeah. Exactly. It is a big chunk, but professionally, like 10 years. I think I got my first job when I was 16. So yeah. I met. But yeah, I, just, I got into it quite young. Uh, I started off, basically, my dad started taking me to a drama school in the UK called Stagecoach. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with it from there and I just could never get enough of it. Yeah, which is so cool. Like, I think it's so good when you can find something like that early on in life. Like, so many people, you know, don't either don't find it or they spend a lot of their life trying to find what is that thing that I really want to apply myself to, which it's, you know, what gives me that meaning. Yeah. There's like so many times where I don't know, like, acting kind of sucks and I'm like oh I wish I, I actually said it to my best friend on the phone today I was like I wish I loved something else anything else so I could just bounce <laughs> but I don't and I used to envy people that weren't in love with something because it meant that they could kind of choose what they wanted to do but totally I've definitely started to try and change that mentality to a more positive one I, and I totally get that. Like I have that probably on a daily basis. Like I, my life's so chaotic and I do a bit of the acting and had a break and I'm like, love the work. I had after, actually after having a break, I was like, because I was getting overwhelmed by like trying to do this other work that I do in mental health that I sort of love as well. And then doing acting and I was stressed. And I was like, how do I navigate it? But then when I stopped, I was like, I feel like dead inside. Like I need to do it. And then when I started getting back into it, you sort of feel alive again. So it's like that, I guess it's having that reminder of why and reminding yourself how lucky you are to find that because a lot of people just don't. And it's like one of the things I'll 
want to ask you about is how do you like navigate keeping a balance, keeping balance and dealing with the uncertainty and the constant changes? Is that something that is like a continual work in progress and something you're constantly navigating? Cause that's, I mean, that's so hard to find that balance, I guess, in, in that kind of industry. Yeah, it is really hard to find the balance because I can only speak for myself, but I feel out of control of a lot of aspects of my life because I am. Like, I, I'm not in a position where I can pick and choose the movies that I do or the TV shows that I want to do. So I think definitely what you were saying, it's an ongoing uh, life lesson, trying to learn how to balance things. But I think more recently I've discovered that having other types of projects on the go helps me take the pressure off one aspect of my life and actually like learn more yeah. about myself in the process. Yeah, definitely. And I presume it probably actually would help the acting as well because then you're not sort of, I guess when you're there and just obsessing about it and that's all you're thinking about, it can be, you can become almost, yeah, you sort of start resenting it sometimes or you can, I don't know, like doing other things that just, makes you fresh when you come back to it? Yeah. I guess. You're right. I'm just trying to think of the right way to word it. I think, for lack of a better word, I think resenting it is a fair statement to make. Like, you you start to overthink and realise how much of your life you've sacrificed or missed Mm. out on or given up for acting. And when you think about it like that over, let's just say, a period of 10 or 15 years, it can be really overwhelming. And, yeah, resent. So it's just yeah, totally. And you're, I mean, you're having like from what I was reading and I've seen, you're having a lot of success at the moment with your career, which is amazing. And so you recently uh, took on the role in Batwoman. Uh, how's that experience been? And from what I could see, looking at what you're doing, it looks like in you're just getting more and more momentum at the moment, which must be sort of a new thing to to navigate as well. Definitely a new thing to navigate. Yeah, I'm not used to it, but it's nice and it feels very rewarding after so long, same kind of pattern happening. Not to say that jobs are coming in steadfast, like they're not. (laughs) It's nicer to feel like there is more interest and to have the opportunity to kind of audition for things or meet with directors that I never had before. So I definitely have that woman to thank for the opportunities that I've had this year. Yeah, no, it's amazing. When we were first emailing about this, you were saying we had in common that we both were training to be athlete in different pursuing um, career in sport and and that area. And I read you were training for the London Olympics as a swimmer. That's a pretty like full on endeavor as well. Yeah, I mean, says you, but yeah, I feel like always. I feel like this always comes up. (laughs) But like, it would seem yeah. really shocked. Like, it's so interesting. It's like, yeah, it's so, you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's another thing I did. Yeah. I don't mean it like I'm oh, brushing it off. It's like, it's just it's part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you grow up with that, you don't know any other like journey apart from, yeah, your sport, I don't know, five, six days a week. That is just your life and that's just your routine. So it was only when I stopped doing that, I was like, wow, like I had dedicated so much of my time and such a huge fraction of my life to that, that I had all this free time all of a sudden. And it was only afterwards I'd realized like actually, yeah, like the huge role that it had played in my life. And now people bring it up. I'm just always like, 
I think I'm sure that you'll agree, but like actually it's pretty admirable. Like if you look back at us being so young, so committed to something. So yeah, I feel very uh, proud of that, but yeah. Massively. No, at that age, it's like, it's incredible to be able to commit that to it. And do you find because of that and that kind of conditioning and training yourself to commit and have that routine at such a young age, has that helped with later in life with the acting and with your work, with being sort of disciplined and applying that same mindset to it? Has that sort of played a part? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like actually it's seeped into so many aspects of my life. Definitely the routine and the commitment and the dedication to pursue something without giving up, obviously. But also I think it's given me it's given me an outlet for if times yeah. got stressful, which obviously in this industry a lot of the time it is very stressful. It's just like an outlet that I know I feel safe in the water. Like I know that right. I can jump in a pool or in the ocean or whatever and just like yeah, it's just it's, have freedom, and I guess like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not breathe and breathe, but yeah, switch off from yeah, the world. The words, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, no, but massively, and it's like, and it's so important, like it, having that time out. That's what I find. I like exercise because I grew up wanting to be an athlete and training at that level. I train every day, and for me, that's like my meditation and my break from where I, my phone's off and I'm just doing it, and you can you just forget about every switch off, which we, it's so important because it, we now live in a world where it's almost impossible to, unless you discipline yourself to do it, you can be connected 24 seven and just go insane. So I think it's so important to have that where you can have that time and that time out just for yourself, nothing else. You're so important. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right. And also I remember one, like one of my coaches once saying that it's so good to feel like a physical pain for at least an hour every day. And I don't want what I've just said to come across badly. I'm only speaking about it in terms of like exercise, for example, because it makes you, and I don't know how true this is, but my coach would always say like, it makes you appreciate the other 23 hours in the day. And it's just something that you've committed to. And like the pain that you have during that hour, like negates, other forms of pain that day. Does that make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. I, I love it. And I think it's so true because we're, I think as humans in general, we're meant to feel discomfort and we're meant to like go, life's not meant to be easy all the time. And like, even if you could, like if you could get instant gratification or have something handed to, you're not going to get that value out of it. And it, like, I guess like training every day is like small versions of that daily where you get, you just feel amazing after because you put yourself through that. And I think we, Again, we live in a world where a lot of people are just wanting, how do I quick get a quick fix or instant gratification? And uh, even if you can get it, it's not going to be what makes you feel good. You want to have to like earn something or I'm sure with your acting, even a lot of people probably don't realize that, you know, it's a 15 year journey to get where you are now, but that's what's made it rewarding, which I think it's just an important point in all parts of life because it's, we need to life's a long takes a long time go goes for a long time and you have to we have to work for things if we want to have meaning out of it i think it's so true yeah you're right you're so right and people <laughs> keep saying oh life's short just do that i'll do this and i'm like actually life's not short it's really fucking long so like you oh so, sorry I'm you can swear on the podcast there you go okay. you can i'm sorry i'm so bad at swearing oh good i guess this podcast is centered a lot of it's centered around mental health and well-being and interviewing people from all walks of life. In the 
I've had a few different actors on here. And I guess in that industry, from what I've seen, I guess the research shows that like mental health issues can be really high because of the uncertainty. Is that something you've noticed yourself just as an observation in the industry that that is a is prevalent in the entertainment world, in the acting world? Yeah, I would say that you're right with that. It feels like there are different standards in this particular industry to just like your life. So I think it's easy to like compare yourself or just feel like bad about yourself. And actually it's not real and it's not normal. Mm. (laughs) But also it's not like there's so much rejection on Mm. the way from all sides that I think it's really hard to kind of center yourself and like believe in yourself and love yourself and know who you are and not just trying to be someone that you think the industry wants or like trying to kind of fit in this mold. You definitely need to be ready for the rejection. And I, and when I got into this industry, I had no idea how much slowly chipping away years, like years and years of chipping away, how much that would have affected me without me even realizing. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think it's something that you can't really know what it's like until you've sort of put yourself in that situation and experienced it. And then it can be hard getting advice from people outside of the industry or talking to other people because it's hard to relate to it, I guess, because it's just such a unique, different thing. But uh, I think it's a really good point, what you made as well. It's something that if you're going to, with anything, but especially in acting and or those that kind of industry, you need to be looking after your mental well-being and not and sort of very stable and not trying to get uh, doing it to validate yourself or to feel like it's uh, it's justifying your existence or who you are, or tr- which is, again, so hard to navigate. Like I find that so difficult all the time with feeling like, oh, I need to achieve more and so I can feel like I'm enough, even though it's things I really want to do. And then it's like hey, you're constantly trying to like find that middle ground of how do I just find a healthy way to keep moving forward. But I think that's a huge issue in that industry, like you're saying. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I think also you're right. It definitely is hard to relate to people who aren't in the industry and but also sometimes who are as well because it's like the different, let's just say, let's just call it levels of success. Obviously, everyone's problems are relative and important to them. But it's like, because the different levels of success are so prominent that even if I have friends that are in the industry or whatever, it's like their issues, I'm just like, I wish I had those problems. Like, I wish they were my problems. Like, Right. Does that make sense? Because it's like, oh, you're on that level and I would love to be on that level. But like, these are my problems. (laughs) And you can't say that because you don't want to take away their problems because that's valid to them, obviously. In the same way that that's valid to me, but my friends are like, oh, that ain't shit. But like, for me, it is shit. A hundred percent. In Australia, I've got like a mentor through a family friend and this guy's hugely successful in business. They're worth like a few hundred million dollars and it does amazing philanthropy work and I asked him a while back. I said, I said, I just need someone to like guide me and give me some that I can check in with and whatever. And it sort of, he sort of said what you were saying there, where he told me from when he was like 18 and had not a dollar to his name to now in his late 60s and all the success he had, he said, I'm, I still have the, I don't feel any more peace of mind because the external stuff at no matter what level you get to, if, especially if your brain's wide, what like that, where you're wanting to, achieve all these different things, there's no end point. So 
he said the realization was uh, that I'm never going to stop thinking like this. There's no end. There's no solution. There's no silver bullet. It's about just reminding myself that and trying to just keep enjoying the process of where I'm at now because it's not going to, it's never going to go away no matter what happens. So it's kind of like liberating to realize that or remind yourself that, but then so, so freaking hard to, so hard to like actually do it daily. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there where I've been like, oh, all I want is like this. And then I'll be at this next stage and I'm like, oh, oh, like I'll be fine. I have that or like that level of security or whatever. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, but five years ago, I would have died if I was in the position I'm in now. Like I would have been so happy. So Totally. Totally. It's all perspective, isn't it? But it's like, again, it's still, yeah, it's easier said than done. Uh, But yeah, yeah. so much easier said than done. So can you like imagine what you would have done if you didn't go into acting? Oh gosh. I don't know if I would have been happier or sadder, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if I didn't love it, I I didn't love it, I would have been so much happier just living like a more, like, <laughs> like, like a life away from this. But, just having a nice, simple life, like not having too much. Uh, yeah, but you might get bored as well. You might think that, but then you go and live that life and maybe like after a year of doing that, you might be like, oh, I'm, I'm bored. I want, I need like a challenge. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of did almost because <laughs> it's so relevant now, but like years ago, I was in a relationship with someone who de- I definitely felt like nearly content with my life because it was just like a safe space and and I knew that if I stayed with that person, we would have had like a very <laughs> average life. And I was like, oh no, like maybe I'm happier like this. Like maybe acting can just be a hobby. And it was like a real, I was so like blindsided. It was like a real thing for me. And then I came out yeah. early, I was like, wait, what the fuck? I was like, get me back in this industry right now. And it just like, exactly what you just said, uh, like at the start of this interview, like it just triggered like that happiness and that flame within you yeah. really passionate when I talk about acting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love anyone that's like passionate about anything. It's like so good. But no, I love that point that you made there as well, which like, I guess like stages of life as well. Like we can get so caught up in or whatever we're, state of mind we're in currently, we can think, okay, that's like, that's going to be forever. But everything changes. Like you don't, we don't know what we're going to be doing in five years or where my mind's going to be at. And I had a similar thing where I was, I've only been in one like really serious relationship. And I remember I was, I craved it for so long. And I was like, oh my God, this is like so comforting. And I don't really, and it was almost like a protection from having to care about all the other things that stress me out in life. And it felt amazing. But then eventually that sort of wore off and I was like, okay, it's like, I got to find a bit of a balance here and I got to, I'm never going to not want to do all these things I want to do. So yeah, it's again, just finding that balance, I guess, with everything. Yeah. No, you're so right. It is. And I think almost like when you're young and you are in a relationship for the first time, it's like, maybe this is meant to be like the part that I play. Maybe I'm just meant to see the industry through like my partner's perspective or like whatever, just like through the television or yeah, yeah. you don't yeah. know, aren't you? And it's like you said, like it's a lot to sacrifice to be doing what we do. Totally. Yeah. How is it for you living? Are you from the UK? You're living in LA. Like, how difficult is that? Is that a hard thing to navigate as well? I've been in New York for nine months and I've, I've found it so hard. Like, I'm liking it, but then I'm like, God, oh, I miss my family and home and everything. Is it hard to navigate? Oh my God. 
part of my life. <laughs> like, uh, don't get me wrong, because I love it here. It's beautiful. Like, work is great. There's so many opportunities. But in the same breath, it's like the thing that obviously is most important to me is my family and my friends. And yeah. to, like, I haven't been home once this year. So, yeah. and honestly, that, that's pretty normal for me, which really does suck. But it's like just missing like your best friend's weddings or like my best friend gave birth this year and I still mm. haven't met a baby. And it's like, I, like, I miss my aunt's funeral. Like, it's just like little things like that, that that's just in this summer. And it's just like yeah. small things like that, which do make living here hard, hard. And also not like the time difference, like not having your support system after 3 p.m. really sucks here because obviously mental health is a lot of it comes like in the evening like that's kind of can be the most difficult time for people to get through so totally yeah so that's really hard but you know right now i have to put my career first and there's just a sacrifice that i have to make hey listen that could be worse like so yeah Of course, but you know, it's like it's not an easy thing. And like you're saying there, it made there, there could be worse sacrifices, it could be better. But it's like what you said earlier, I think. And for anyone listening to this, it's like so important to that people remind themselves that no, n- nothing is better or worse or harder. Or everyone's like what anyone's going through in their life is like completely relevant, whether you're living on the street or privileged or whatever, because it's all you're still emotion that someone's feeling. So it's like, in, I think in mental health, people need to understand that as well. So it's so important. But uh, but yeah, it, that would be a hard part of it. How was COVID for you? Like, were you in LA for COVID? Did you stay there during that whole period when it first I, started? I so I was in LA. I went yeah. back uh, to the UK. I think it was for the Baftas in 2020. I was yeah. only back in the UK for four days, and then I was went to fly to New York. And whilst I was there, they the U.S. closed the borders. So oh, yeah. all my yeah. in LA, I'd gone back to London with a backpack. Like I, I had nothing. And I was like, well, not my God. Again, relevantly, like nothing. Relatively. Basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I'd wanted to get a dog for so long, but I just didn't have the time to kind of bring up a dog. And... A dog's a lot of commitment, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> yeah. I'd been on the adoption waiting list for two years for a Shiba Inu. And... Oh, amazing. In January, and I'd been like, no, like, I don't have time. Like, this sucks. But yeah. And I was just like, something just came to me, and I was like, hold on. Maybe, like, for me, this is a perfect opportunity. So I got a dog, and I spent nine months in the UK raising him with my best friend, who I was, who I ended with in the UK. And we, we had probably the best time that we could have in COVID. And then I got Batwoman, so I spent six months in Vancouver during COVID, which was also great because I was just very happy to be there, obviously working and yeah, you know, people there and stuff. And then I came to LA and I've been here since. So you've had a pretty pretty big journey through COVID, like being sort of all over the world through throughout it, different yeah, places. I yeah, Africa as well because we were meant to we were meant to shoot a movie there at the end of 2020. So I, I feel very fortunate <laughs> working through COVID. Amazing. Like, it wasn't just an easy run, as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, of course. <laughs> and actually, on a side note, what did you think of Vancouver? Because I was living there for two years and I reckon it's my favourite place that I've ever lived because it's just like so 
so like living like in the most in the middle of the city of nat- like the most beautiful nature for as long as you can say I like fell in love with it like interested to hear what you thought of Vancouver I feel that I really do I yeah. fell in love with it as well I only knew one person before I got there uh, but then I yeah, made, well. which made it honestly so much easier for a number of reasons but then I made some friends there and I was actually really fortunate to be in Vancouver out of all the places in the world. The fact that I did a show that was filmed in in Vancouver was just happened to be really fortunate for me. And then on like a landscape level, just you're so right. It's being in nature, but like a city. My dog yeah. loved it. He was just, he loved the snow. Oh, he loved, yeah, the mountains, like just every part of it. We went out on the water. We were kind of always cycling around the park, just, yeah, I feel very yeah. to have been there during COVID because they couldn't really get out. So it was so nice to have all of that. Totally. No, yeah, it's just so, so it's so, so good for you. Just such a healthy place to, to live. And yeah, it is, it's crazy. Like I remember the first time I was driving along the, um, like the sea to sky when I first went there and I was like, every five seconds of like, what the, no, yeah. this can't be like, no, how this is like too much. I'm like overwhelmed. And I've like, we've got pretty nice places in Australia. We've got like a holiday house on the coast, but I was like, this is just, this doesn't seem real. I, it's it so crazy. Cause you can just see the mountains from like the studios or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's so like, crazy. It's like, well, Cape Town is all I love, but Vancouver was definitely like yeah. one of the places I've been. Yeah, that's a huge six months filming, like, a main role in in Batwoman. How how do you handle the pressure with that? Is there do you feel a lot of pressure when you're preparing for that in that process, or is it something that becomes more normalised after a while? Like how was that experience? It was that I did feel a lot of pressure. My cast from the show were so amazing. Like we FaceTimed. Uh, I had two weeks in quarantine, obviously, when I first got to Canada from London. I spoke to uh, nearly all of them on FaceTime, mainly for like work reasons, but then we just super quickly became friends and they're my kind of people. So they just, they were so welcoming. And I'd, I didn't really know any of them, but like had kind of like spoken to uh, Megan and Cameras through socials. So felt safe with them and like it had been a long time coming. But yeah, the like the per- the person that uh, I was closest to that was on a much bigger show than Batwoman, and so anytime right. I was kind of nervous about anything, like I could, I had advice from from that person, and it just it made me feel so much better because my production is a lot smaller than their production, so I just felt like a lot less nervous yeah. that yeah. I had my person to to be with. Yeah, totally. Having that, yeah, having that sounding board, I guess, would help massively. A hundred percent. And also when you're yeah. both doing the same thing, like, yeah, it, yeah. You can, yeah, you can both relate on it and, uh, yeah, get that experience from it. So before I go into the final part, uh, I think I sort of asked you a little bit before, but do you have like daily things that you do to look after your well-being? You're saying swimming is one of them. Are there other things just for our listeners, like I always ask the guests, what are some things that, that help you that you do to maintain balance daily? Yeah, I have uh, these things called anchor points throughout the day. I don't know if you use that term, that terminology. Anchor um, points, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I have uh, like six different anchor points throughout the day. And 
for anyone who doesn't know, they're just like simple rituals that you kind of do around the same time every day that just keep you grounded. So it doesn't matter if you've got this crazy day or you're running two hours late for everything. It's like, as long as I have those things that I I can lean into every, I don't know, three hours or four hours throughout my day, I just feel safe and like I'm on the right journey. So, and I don't always do all of them every day. I try to, but like, for example, my first one is watching the sunrise and it's so minimal and it doesn't seem important. I know, but for me, like seeing that sunrise is important. It's something that I've done almost every day since 20, uh, since the first day in 2019. Like it was just a thing that I saw. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like that's so just cool. like, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. For, for other people, it might be meditation or whatever. But like, for me, it's like, it makes me feel like I'm ready. I'm up. I'm ready for the day. And I appreciate, like, I've been, I've counted my, like, blessings and I've gone through my gratitudes and my positive affirmations. And I've watched nature be the most important thing in this world, like this. Yeah. And it kind of, my day into perspective, it's like a free, incredible show twice a day, every day. So that's like one of my anchor points. But yeah, I think, for me, one of the most important thing is having the little anchor points throughout the day that just keep me grounded. I love that. No, yeah, it's so true. Well, so yeah, thank you for sharing it. And I think yeah, that's such a good one. Like, and like a lot of the time we don't, like I don't, I barely ever watch the sunrise and I'm like, it's like you're saying, it's something that is free and it's there and it's like the most beautiful thing that we can access, but then you don't, I don't do it a lot of the time. So it's like made me think, oh shit, I got to like, I should try and do that. Get, well, force I, you to get I, force I, you to get up early as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I literally done it and then I did it on the 1st of January two years ago and I was like well nearly three years ago and I was like wow like as if we all have this show every day twice a day and like <laughs> I've just been so like ungrateful for it like I just yeah so really true complaining. so yeah so true like I I was actually back in Vancouver like a month ago it was the first time I'd been back since I left during the pandemic. And I was like having a coffee, just like by myself looking at a mountain. And I like had this thought in come in my mind. Like I was like, fuck this. Like I'm getting, no matter what the hell happens in my life, this is here and it's like free. Everyone can access it. And like life doesn't have to be so freaking complicated. It's like, this is just, yeah. It's like, so it's so grounding. You're just like, oh my God, like there's so many things. It, so I think it's like such a good way to start the day. Yeah, Hard to do I, it in New York, looking at a look at a building or something, but it's like the polar opposite of Vancouver. <laughs> well, or you could make it like an evening ritual. So, you know, I know yeah, that yeah. is an early bird and honestly, I'm obviously not. But like even just watching the sun, like just that being a ritual, just being like thankful for everything that's happened that day. Massively. Yeah. But it's nice because it's... It does help. Yeah, like the price change. So it's not just like the same one thing, but yeah. <laughs> This is Soul Trader with Nick Brax, redefining the rules of maintaining a healthy work-life chaos on DAB Plus and streaming on the web. So we finish every episode with just these five questions. They're like pretty simply that you can, whatever comes to mind with these. So um, (laughs) nothing too crazy. I listened to the podcast, but I didn't hear this first. So now I'm like, okay. (laughs) Oh, you're like freaking out. You're like, what's he going to ask? No, I'm not going to, I'm no, not going to try and catch you off guard. <laughs> so the first one is what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind? Uh, the first one that comes to mind is running through uh, fields of sunflowers with my dad, just feeling like he was the biggest human in the world. And 
these sunflowers were huge. <laughs> I love that. I love it. <laughs> what do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? Social media. Yeah, I agree. Probably 90% of the people have said that. I think social media is like, yeah, it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. You could do probably a whole chat just on social media. It's like so crazy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I know that no one's immune. Like, it affects oh, everyone. affects everyone. I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm, I've become addicted again to it because I was going through like this really stressful period like a year and a half ago and I started using like Instagram just to turn my mind off, just looking at it. And then you just like, it becomes like a clutch where it's like scrolling through and you're like, what the hell am I doing? I'm like looking at and shit then you that I don't like. You come off and you feel <laughs> so much worse. It's like taking, it's like a drug. It's like, well, it literally is. It's like the same sort of thought patterns. It's just, it's so crazy. It's yeah. so hard to navigate. Yeah. Where do you see mental health in society in 10 years? Like, do you see things improving or maybe getting worse or a bit of both? I think they have to improve. I don't know how much worse it, it can get, honestly, from the state that I'm fortunate where the people that I surround myself with, we try and speak about it a lot openly. And anyone who kind of feels any way, uh, well, I would hope in my group anyway, feels like they can approach it with all of us. But I definitely, we're in an absolute crisis right now and we need to take a huge time. And I think a lot of that is authenticity on social media and making mm-hmm. help available to as many people as possible. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It's like so important, just vulnerability, people understanding that it's like healthy to be, like if everyone in the world could just be open and honest all the time and like vulnerable and just say what you're actually feeling and it would like simplify so many things because like so much behaviours about trying to like validate or put on a front to, but it, yeah, anyway, I think it's like such a good point what you made. No, I agree. But all, and also, like, just learning about it uh, and speaking about it freely from such a young age. Like, we never spoke about it in school. Oh, I remember it just being hundred, such a true subject, and this is only a few years ago. Oh, massively! Like in in this area, like the biggest thing that I'm, I think the only way to change it long term is that this needs to be like embedded in school. Because, like you said, we didn't get taught it, and like I had issues with OCD and overthinking all these different things that manifest in so many ways. And then it was only like retrospectively that you're well through trial and error, you like learn, okay, this is how I can handle that and manage this. But there's no, and parents, most of the time they're doing their best, but they haven't been educated on it. So then you're learning behavior patterns from them. And it's like this self-perpetuating thing. And it's like, until that pattern's broken. But so I think education is like, I just find it like insane that we get taught archaic stuff in school like a lot of stuff in school is like outdated now but you know some's important of course but like what's more important than teaching about emotions and relationships and if all understanding yourself that like i can't understand i don't understand how that's not part of the curriculum at school i i agree and exactly you're saying at least about being able to recognize like patterns that may be unhealthy or learn behavior through generations in your family recognizing that early and actually making a healthier choice a choice totally. that's to people that doesn't cost 200 pounds for an hour session or whatever like it's yeah absolutely. Oh, exactly yeah no it's so true and it's because it's just not it's like not sustainable for people or accessible for people to be even if you can afford to see a psychologist the you know that's only one tiny part of it like it's not you need to be able to learn how do i actually do things that I can do daily to sustain myself and break those patterns, like you're saying, but 
yeah, it's like such a complicated area, but it needs like so much work. So much needs to be done. Uh, so I got two more here for you. What is your personal definition of happiness? Probably accepting and loving yourself. I love that. So true. Yeah. What that's like, if you can do that, then you don't, you're pretty okay in most situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's just doing that's hard. (laughs) And then sometimes when you do it, you're like, hang on, this is too easy. If I'm like, if I feel like if I'm okay now and don't need, that's too simple. I need to complicate things. Like it can't be that easy. It's like, like when you're kids, you do believe in yourself and like you do love yourself and then you go to school and I don't know, you're doing art and someone next to you is like, oh, my art's really bad. And you're like, oh, well, I can't say mine's good. I have to say mine's bad as well. And then before you know it, it's like all those little actions have just manifested into you, like not believing in yourself. And oh, yeah. massively. Yeah. It's like, no, it's so true, isn't it? It's like all this conditioning. <laughs> You don't know it at the time. And then you don't realize later, you're like, these things that happen when you're so young are informing so many things. It's like, like the mind's so complicated. It's crazy. Yeah. It's fascinating. Carry at the same time. Yeah. Actually on, and also did you find in the UK, because I know in Australia, like there's a lot of like tall poppy syndrome where if you're wanting to do something or you're quite bold about it, people will be cutting you down, being like, who the fuck do you think you are to want to do this or whatever? Like, and that, that is probably, there's a, like a lot of things I don't like about America, a lot of things I do like about it. But one of the things I love is people here, their culture is so embracing of, that's amazing if you want to do this and how can we support you? And every there's a lot of that here. But yeah, did you find a lot of that in the UK? The tall puppy? Oh yeah, even like in terms Massively. of wanting to be myself and like dress the way that I want to dress, like... He would just be like, I don't know, labeling you and just being weird. I was just like, but you know what? I just, I I literally don't surround myself like with anyone like that. And anyone that says anything negative on social media, like you're getting blocked. Like, and again, people are like, oh no, that's weak. You have to take the criticism. Actually, like, no, I don't have to take criticism anyone online. And I don't have to have anyone negative like that in my life. Like, no. I remove. See you later. You're out. You're gone. (laughs) If you're not purpose in my life or like, or adding happiness to it, like you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. It's like so important because that's like, I, that's where so much anxiety and unhappiness comes from because it's this like contradictory sort of thing. And you know, you, and if you're not conscious about it, like you're saying, uh, it'll be part of your life. It'll affect, you've got to like put boundaries up and, work out, okay, what, how do I like carve out what I do want in my life, what I don't and continually maintain that. Otherwise uh, it leads to bad things, leads to not feeling good. Yes. And just off the back of the, one of the best advice I've ever had uh, from one of my best friends was to protect your personal well-being before anything else. Because A, how can mm. you help anyone else if you're not protected? But B, like, I had friends in my life that I would just leave after hanging out and just like feel anxious or just not feel good. And like, and when I thought about it, there'd been, I don't know, drip feeding, I don't know, stuff about people I don't get on with to me or like, just like, and I didn't realize at the time totally. that was really toxic behavior. And I wasn't protecting my personal well being by hanging out with those people. But, you know, you, if you learn to protect your personal well being, like everything else in life is better. So much better. And I think once you've started doing it, you start to, when you do then come across someone that does invade that, 
it becomes so evident. You're like, fucking hell, like how on earth? It's so obvious. And you're almost like, how on earth did I like spend so much of my life having all this crap around me and all this shit put in my head when, cause life's just so much better without it. But yeah, it's so true. And like, I, honestly, now I feel like I've got so good at this bullshit radar that like my, my friends would literally be like, Oh, like, can you read these messages? Like, does that, does he seem like a narcissist or like, Hey, what did you think about her tonight? Like, do you think she's cool? Like, I, I'm not saying I'm a mind reader, not obviously, but like, because I've been doing this for so long now, I just find it a lot easier to like see through the bullshit with people. I'm hundred percent. Yeah. No, well, it's probably, yeah, you've been doing it a long time and by working on yourself as well and becoming more self-aware, you, it becomes more evident for sure. But uh, it is crazy. And like, I've experienced it so much since I moved to New York, I've like had to navigate things because I'm like, didn't know anyone here. And then you're meeting so many people that are obsessed with making money or status or doing this. And it's like all about stimulation and I need this, I need that. And I'm like, okay, this is like, I was around that a little bit. And I was like, I am about to implode here. I my, I can't think. And then you leave, you're like, okay, I need to like put up, work out how I can find the right people here because it just, it makes you go crazy if you're sort of around the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so final one, uh, what is the most courageous thing that you've ever done? Oh my gosh. You know what? Probably leaving, uh, home when I was 16, because it, like I didn't just leave home and like move down the road or like go to university. Like I left behind my entire life, like my entire, like my extended family, my family, my school, my friends, my village, not village, sorry, uh, city to yeah. like go and move to London where actually I didn't really have many friends. I didn't really know it. And now I look back at six. Now I look at 16 years and I'm like, Oh, it's like, so young. Babies, like, like, I was literally, yeah. And like, yeah. I, like something that's etched in my brain is like, I knew I had to like, cause I had to pursue acting, I had to get out of my town, but like mm. just being afraid and going around the corner and like seeing my parents, like my mom, like they were both bored, but them like just waving goodbye to me at the station. And I was like smiling. I was like, no, like it's good. Like, and then the second like I was out of view, I just burst into tears for the whole three hour journey to London. Like I could not stop crying because I didn't yeah. want to leave home. Of course I didn't want to leave home. Yeah. But you just have to, like you have to it's, just chase, not chase, but you just have to pursue what makes you happy. 100%. Yeah. And, but six and at 16, it's crazy. It's like, but like you said, you got to do and yeah, as a final note as well, I think that's such an important message because I think a lot of people know in their gut what they want to do, but they're not listening to it. And then they're, they can get caught up in what's comfortable or what you think you should do. And, you know, that's, and everyone knows, like if you tap into your gut, you sort of know what to do. And it's scary, but yeah. it's like, it leads to you becoming happier if you can follow that. So like tapping into that's so important. 100%. I made so many excuses for years to not pursue acting. And I know so many other people have older actors in the industry and stuff, but like that, there, there was just nothing else that filled that gap like acting did. And yeah, if I, I would say to anyone, just do what you love, like stop making excuses, don't put it off. Like you don't need to be perfect before you go into it. It's all a learning curve. You don't need to feel like you're yeah. not good enough. Everyone has to start somewhere. So exactly. Just think what makes you happy. Cause we've only got one shot at this. <laughs> 
That's it. You only got one shot. Yeah, just do what makes you happy. Follow your gut. If every you're the gut, like with anything in life, you can you always know. You can always feel that if you're in tune with it. It's like tells you what you should do. So follow that. But oh, oh f- final thing as well. Anyone listening, if they want to look you up or find out more about you, where's the best place to to send them to you? We've talked about how bad Instagram can be, but. Is that a good area for them to find you, Instagram or anywhere I'm like, else? Hey, back in all social media <laughs> This is a podcast, a mental health podcast promoting the use of Instagram. So get on there, do what I did, become it. If you're struggling, use it as a clutch, get addicted to it. No, but it can be good as well. You've got to use it in a healthy way. But yeah, where can they go to, to find you? I actually do talk about uh, mental health and stuff on my socials. So if, if listen, if you want to come say hi or you want to follow, then... It's Wallace Day on pretty much all socials. Come say hi. But again, even better to just stay off it and maybe we'll bump into each other one day. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, thank you so much for making the time to do it. I yeah, really enjoyed chatting to you and appreciate it. I know you're busy, you've got a lot going on, so... Uh, like I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me. No, no problem at all. Appreciate it. Thank you. Soul Trader. There was so much to take away from this interview. One of the key points was pursuing what makes you happy, no matter the cost. For Wallace, this meant leaving her swimming career and moving away from home at the age of 16 to chase her acting dream. She made the hard decision in the short term to chase her long-term goal. It was also very clear that discipline played a huge role in her success. From a very young age, she was training for five to six days a week in swimming. I love the comment she made about the advice she was given at that time, that committing to the pain of doing hard things, such as swimming for an hour a day, makes you appreciate the other 23 hours. Yes, we absolutely should embrace and enjoy the process of whatever we're pursuing, but we also need the resilience to do the daily work when no one's watching. Acting can be a brutal industry, and Wallace talked about learning to get used to rejection and not letting the industry chip away at her identity. This is universal advice and can apply to pretty much any industry. It was also interesting to hear her talk about the varying levels of success and that even the biggest actors have issues. A super important lesson as it shows us that there's no silver bullet. No matter what level we get to, we always have to face the same fundamental life issues. Wallace keeps herself grounded by learning to remove herself from toxic relationships and having a close group of friends and mentors who can speak openly and support each other. The biggest lesson here was protecting your personal well-being at all cost. As we grow up, we're often taught to compromise ourselves for others. But if we don't put ourselves first, how can we actually be helpful to others? Disrupt Radio. On Disrupt Radio, you'll hear Sunil Badami. I've been a freelancer for almost my entire career. And while I've had full-time contract work from time to time, I've also found myself utterly bored by the predictability of routine or the regularity of one role or workplace. The radio show that explores the exhilarating, the innovative and the unpredictable in the rapidly evolving world of work. The future of work, according to tech entrepreneur and academic Nicholas Collin, will mean more of us, if not most of us, won't have secure jobs for life but we'll have different periods of full-time employment, contracting, starting our own businesses, freelancing. Sunil Badami opens your gateway to the brave new world of work on The Next Shift, live on DAB+, online and on demand at disrupt.radio. Tune in to Opportunity.